The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. I am your co-host, Mike Craniola, and I am here, as always, with Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody. I'm Jeremiah Bentley, and we are very excited about the show uh, that we have this week. We're going to replay our live preview show from Amplify Credit Union, which again became obsolete, I think, the like day after seconds, it came out. <laughs> yeah. Seconds after we finished. So we'll have Man. that news. We're going to talk about the news of the week. And then we also have a very fun uh, interview that we just finished recording with Austin FC President Andy Lochnane, who's going to talk to us about the Jersey process and a little bit about what we can see differently at Q2 Stadium. Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling less than a week before opening day, Jeremiah? Well, I am glad they recorded on last week that... Uh, I read nothing into the excitement of the preseason and I was down because then what has happened in the games this week is they've gotten very excited about the new players. Yes. I've gotten really, fi- I've gotten really fired up about like what might happen if everybody stays healthy and the vibes stay good. 34. So I know. I- yeah, absolutely. Well, you were there, you were there for the live show already and I was a lot more uh, toned down on it. So um, yeah, I'm more excited now than I was uh, when people listened to me in like half an hour. So yeah. I just, I'm nervous. I mean, I'm nervous. more nervous now because I haven't done my over-unders yet. And I know that closes, what is it, the day before the season starts? Yes, the over-unders will close the day before the season starts. I think we have like 100 people who have already entered. So it's going to be really competitive. It's probably a pretty good chance that y'all are going to beat Landon and I because we go in cold and everybody else has time to do some research. And a lot of people are smarter than us. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the over-under <laughs> game is out there. That'll be in the show notes. I did create the uh, fantasy the Moon Tower Soccer Fantasy League, uh, which is also out there and available. So, you know, MLS Fantasy is one of those things. Like, you create one team and you can play in a hundred different leagues. So, just go out and create a team. They go find that league. It's under it's under the private leagues in a Moon Tower Soccer, and we can put that in the show notes too. Yeah. And uh, what did you name your team this year? Uh, Ruthless Verticality is my team. Nice. Uh, I named mine. I I was struggling right because naming your fantasy team is one of the hardest things to do. And it's the so, most important thing you do. Yeah, yeah, obviously. And they make you do it right away. So folks, if you are listening and you haven't created your team yet, that is the very first thing they make you do is name your team and you can't go back and change it. So whatever you put in there, you're stuck with for the whole season. I had a placeholder name that I called Xanafest's Our Destiny. And now yeah. I'm stuck with it. Is <laughs> <laughs> uh, that the so, worst? It's not the worst, but it could have been better. And now I know all season, I'm going to be like, man, my team could have been named this. And I'm going to have to look at it on those ranking boards all all season long. Oh, man. Yeah, that's going to be... That is really that's one of the challenges of modern life. Well, we, <laughs> we tease that the uh, our live show got spoiled like the next day because on Wednesday, February 14th, Austin FC added a new defender, Brennan Hines Ike, uh, who's a free agent. He's a 29-year-old center back. Rosie from Denver played uh, 40, what was it, 49 appearances across three years in DC. It seems like like a solid four center back kind of dude, right? If, um, yeah. Do I, would you have a different take on him than I do? Uh, I might be rosier on Brendan Hines Ike than most. 
partially because he comes from the same Belgian team as Alexander Radovanovic, uh, KV Korczyk. And also because he scored me a bunch of points very early in the year in MLS fantasy uh, last year. And so maybe it wasn't too early because he was coming back from injury. But uh, either way, he ended up like performing all right in fantasy. And so he was a name that I both knew and was surprised was available on a free uh, coming into the year. Which I think that's, I mean, it's been the theme during this whole offseason, right? Is uh, Burrell adding talent without spending a lot of, uh, investing a lot in the roster and hopefully keeping his powder dry for later on in the year. And I think if you just look where he slots in, one has to imagine he's a better option than Kip Keller or Johan Romagna, who would have been our other fourth center back choices. Yeah. Or but, moving Alex Ring out of his best position right. into a position he's not good at, which creates not trouble all the way around. Not yeah. as good at. Right. Yeah. Don't like Alex Ring may listen and may come attack you for saying well, he's not also, great at everything. But yeah, I was going to say also he was pretty good at center back for for a defensive midfielder. Yeah. And then we've also got this lingering Julio Cascante injury. Do you do you think this is just a like Julio hasn't played much or if at all in the preseason? Like, are we being cautious? Yeah. Are I, we worried Austin's going to go in like banged up? Like what is I that? have heard some news from uh, some members of the Handsome Boys Football Modeling Club Los Verdes Slack channel uh, that Julio reportedly feels good and is ready for Saturday. That said, every player always feels good and is ready for the next game, right? And <laughs> right. so I will wait for the high-performance staff to uh, clear him and see his name on the team sheet before I know either way whether he's ready. And honestly, sometimes then... <laughs> Some, sometimes then yeah that's probably that's, that's that's the best way to be I, I saw somebody I don't know I can't people are dumb on the Twitter I don't remember exactly what they said but I saw something dumb about the high performance staff and how coach needed to go with the feelings and not like what the stupid nerd technical nerds told him yeah coaches should go coaches to do what the tech the, the stupid technical nerds tell them that's right um, it's we us also as fans who have the ability to complain about that uh, but the coach needs to do what the nerds tell him <laughs> Should listen to them. So we also had two preseason games this week. So there's a this season has been a preseason full of goals. I don't and I, yeah. I don't know that we should read this anything into it. But so Austin has a three three draw uh, as the last match in Coachella against the Red Bulls. Fell behind uh, two 0 in the first half. We got a Jimmy Farker long goal. We got a Diego Rubio goal, and we got a Hider Obreon goal uh, to pull out a three three draw in Coachella. Um, and then a 3-2 victory over him uh, CFC at Q2 in regulation because I know there was some extra time played among nobodies. And I was going to say, I'm only counting the first. No, technically, no, in 120 are... minutes, it was 4-3, right? But at the end of 90, it was 3-2. It was 3-2. And then that, that 90, we got goals from both strikers, Rubio, Zardes, and Obreon. We got a lot of these reports from uh, Arie Silva, like standing in a hallway or like <laughs> peeking his head around... Dummies or something looking yeah, at the cracks of the Verde store. <laughs> leaning over a Yeti cooler, standing on two <laughs> Yeti tumblers as they quiver underneath his legs, right? Uh, uh, but the yeah, reporting but so like, reflected what we saw in the clips that the team posted. And so, uh, yeah, what what were your takeaways from these matches? I mean, there's a lot of goals from the new guys, is yeah. what I get out of it. And that's one of the things that leads me to, as we said earlier, being 
more excited than I probably should be based upon preseason results, which we told people to ignore. It's just we've gone to this whole offseason wondering where the goals are going to come from. And now there's some hope that we know where some of them are going to come from. How about you? What, what was yeah. your takeaway? So I, like a sicko, was watching the Coachella Invitational match between Minnesota and Charlotte. And Charlotte was doing that thing where they would drive into the end line and then cut the ball back, but they didn't have anybody to finish. And as I was watching that, I was like, man, if Austin could score some of these goals, if they could make that run like that we just hardly ever make, we could score a lot of goals against Minnesota. And then in the videos that came out from NYCFC, those were the runs we were making. They were end line runs where we were cutting it back into the box and people were there to put them away. And so I'm I'm guarding my heart, Jeremiah. I am guarding well, then, my heart. And from the Galaxy game and the Ripples game, we have Ethan Finley assist in both of those, which usually means that kind of goal, right? When, yeah, you, when you have an Ethan Finley assist. That's what he's assist. good at. <laughs> so yeah, who knows? Uh, could be, Could be interesting. Speaking then, of reports from the field, though, I go ahead. Yeah. heard about this one uh, yeah. at the Armadillo Kit release party. Oh, I didn't an, hear this now. We have an anonymous source who reports uh, only it's they're only anonymous because I can't remember who it was. Uh, but they reported that they spoke with uh, either Roto or Anthony Precourt and Dessler is like confirmed. Like not official, but uh, is coming in the. Summer. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, that becomes real if you add Dessler, and then you get a DP striker. Then this becomes a much more interesting team. Yeah, uh, that maybe really does compete in in the West. Maybe not for the top of the West, but like, but it's a solid contender and can make a playoff run if we knew what the playoff bracket or teams in the playoffs were here three days before the first match. Yeah, I guess technically, right? Uh, today is we are recording this on the nineteenth. Uh, the first match is the twenty-first, right? R- RSL and Miami. Uh, and Miami, yeah. And we do not know if the playoffs are going to be the same format as they were last year. Uh, a different format from last year. Uh, who knows? What we do know is we're going to not have. Referees. Well, not, we're not going to have regular referees. So we got. Yeah, we're not going to have PRSA referees. We're going to have some. Uh, it's, it's you can call them scabs. Me, I was going to say it's scab, hard yes, for me to a scab word that Mike. isn't scab. Uh, it is replacement referees for the PRSA referees that are locked out from the league. And are you? They're going to come from college from retired guys from people who are overseas who can't hack it i think one of the things that is a challenge when this happens so close to the start of the season is like where do you even go find four people to call every game in the league for the first first week of the year like even assembling those that group is going to lead to chaos so i'm not excited about that i feel like there's a common thread that we haven't talked about a lot uh, that Seth Rao brought up when we had him on about there seems to be a bunch of money flying around and we're like the league we're does not, not seem to be investing it in basics. Yeah, we're, we're not, not spending, spending it on players. players. We're not spending it on refs. We're like 
where is it going i guess is the question right uh yeah it's it's a it will be an interesting start to the season um i don't i don't know where you fall on this but i am uh very very strongly on team pay the refs uh whatever they're making a isn't enough and b uh like should be more regardless of you know anything else i agree with that and this is one of those things like because the first right we've got opening day and i've already seen i don't think in austin but things from other supporters groups sort of like coming out and making statements about how negative it is and uh how it's not a good start but for me i'm just going to close my eyes and love the first match even though i feel kind of icky about it just like i watched every single world cup match in guitar i'm gonna yeah. feel a little bit dirty but it's not going to take away from my joy of like being q2 stadium on february 24th yeah same it's it's really hard for me to balance from like a an emotional standpoint of like i want to be there to support the players also i want to support the the prsa and so like I am hopeful for chants and banners in the stadium that uh, show support for our referees union uh, and their fight for what they deserve. Well, and then moving on from that to another, what is MLS maybe doing topic? And I don't, when I wrote this this afternoon, I was reading an article from the athletic that said, well, the, like the open cup is basically off and, because they MLS is making all these demands and nobody can get what they want to like an hour ago reading a Sports Illustrated article that's like no wait the open cups the open cups on and MLS is going to get everything that they want and I just it seems like an unnecessary mess again the league has created for themselves even creating that drama because they could have just sent guys off the bottom of the roster and not made this big statement in December and it would have just for the early matches at least it would have been like every open cup ever but instead mls chose to make a thing out of it um and i think to 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 the league's own detriment yeah uh three hours ago as of right now so at 6 45 p.m on february 19th jeff carlisle uh has reported on espn that preliminary plans for the 2024 edition of the u.s open cup have been approved by a subcommittee of u.s soccer federation board of directors uh though the tournament won't likely won't look like recent additions. So it seems like there will be a hybrid type of tournament with not every MLS team participating. Uh, man, from a I love soccer perspective, this is one of the most disheartening uh, stories of the offseason. And from a... MLS is a big business perspective. I understand why they wouldn't want to play this tournament, but like I don't work for them and I don't right. want them to not play this tournament. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I went down to San Antonio and watched a very frustrating match that Austin lost to San Antonio FC, but like for the good of the game in this country, that's kind of exciting for everybody that wasn't an Austin FC fan. Yeah, uh, I'm a Union Omaha guy. You know what I mean? Like uh, every time I see 
Every time I see, is it Drake's brand that has the owl that looks suspiciously like the Union Omaha? <laughs> like logo? the Union Yeah. Uh, I freak out and I ask the person wearing it, oh, you, you, you support Union Omaha? And I get really excited to talk about the third tier of American soccer. And uh, a lot of times they do not. <laughs> then they then they go to the other side of the street and yeah. don't make eye contact anymore. But like uh, I would, I never would have known that team existed if it weren't for the Open Cup. And so yeah. It's a shame. The magic the magic of the Open Cup. <laughs> as they say. Uh and I guess one thing that came out everybody so all the MLS predictions came out for the pundits. Mhm. I think one person had Austin 10th, which was as high as it went. There were a lot of 13s and 14s. Um, I think earlier I pu- somebody pointed out that this is basically the same roster that there were a bunch of seconds and thirds and fourths last year. Yeah. They, only they got a little bit older. We I, improved the roster from do last year. <laughs> do, do we care? Should people care what national pundits have to say about their club? I mean, should is it, they? I don't know. Should they? Well, no. do they, I guess. Do they? Yes. I, I think the, the answer is do they? Yeah. Absolutely. And we were going to get it. We got a whole round of laminator chat again. And uh, we don't have Felipe around to just like drive that into the ground at the point where it annoys everybody else around him. But um, so uh, what Landon and I talked about this about a few weeks ago. It's so, like in your head, what's the value in like in having these predictions? Like what's the why? Why should we read MLSsoccer.com? What, what are yeah. we getting out of it? To me, the value is driving engagement. Right. It's the same reason that trolls are so popular online. Uh, If you drive engagement, people are talking about your product. And uh, a lot of what MLSsoccer.com tries to do, from my perspective, is just get people talking about MLS soccer. And so if that is the goal, they are successful. The gap, I think, is when they position themselves as knowing everything about every team in the league, which realistically one person can no longer do. When it was a 12-16 team league, pretty easy, right? Six to eight games a week, we can all watch those. Uh, Well, unless they happen at the same time, right? If they all happen at (laughs) 7.30 on a Saturday, uh, we can't. That becomes more difficult, yeah. (laughs) But, you know, um, now the landscape has changed a little bit. And so I think as we as fans of a league that is maturing also mature, we need to demand more independent media coverage. And I guess the start of that can be like reflecting these pundits opinions back to them but i don't know what do you where's your where's your heart lay in this situation i i think it it kind of it hits on what kind of what you just said it's like i i do read a lot on mlssoccer.com but it's largely in the absence of having like a got like local beat writers or I mean, there are a few, and there are a few independent media sources, and there's people like Phil, but not even every team um, has something like that. And since the sort of the death of the SB Nation platform, like there's not even a place to go to find all those things. So that's what I end up relying on, um, on MLSsoccer.com and uh, Extra Time, and like even a guy like, you know, I love Joe Lowry, and that guy tries to watch every single 
game. But and what I appreciate about Joe Lowry is he's a guy that will like admit that he is not an expert on everything. Yes. He doesn't present himself as such. And I think that humility sometimes is a little bit missing. <laughs> but that but that probably pro- also probably draws engagement back to your original point on this topic. Right. Yeah, I mean say what you will about them. All of the MLS soccer podcasts and writers like all have a point of view and a personality that they have crafted to elicit response, right? Uh, and so they're good at that. <laughs> and, th- and that's their main job. Yeah. Well. Uh, that said, uh, everyone expects Austin to stink this year is the show note for this topic. And like, I think there is a subset of fan who, if that is the expectation set for them, will go into this season having a lot more fun than if the expectation was set that they should expect greatness. Which, (laughs) wait, because they're going to be happy when we aren't terrible or they're just like miserable people? Yeah, okay, okay, because good. they'll be happier. Like if we if we outperform the expectation, they will be happy, right? Oh, when totally. we underperformed yeah. expectation based on the media last year, uh, no one was happy. There was a lot of grumpy people. No, yeah. that's absolutely true. And then the other note we wrote is plug listening to the live show part for our predictions because I can't even remember exactly where either one of us picked Austin to finish. It wasn't super high. I feel like it was better than most of the national writers. Yes, uh, I remember. If you want a spoiler, I will tell you after the break. All right, let's take a break, and then we're going to be back with Andy Lockning. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to fvf.law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fvf.law. Amplify Credit Union is a member-owned financial cooperative that served the needs of Central Texans for over five decades. Amplify's team lives and works in the community, making them the experts on how members can achieve their financial goals. What makes Amplify different? No bank fees. Amplify is the first financial institution in Texas to put an end to bank fees. In 2022, Americans paid almost $8 billion in overdraft fees alone. Millennials pay an average of $336 a year in bank fees, which works out to six Austin FC game tickets per person per year. You'll pay none of those bank fees with Amplify Credit Union. Amplify membership is open to any Texas resident. Learn to trust your bank again at Amplify Credit Union. To learn more, go to goamplify.com slash moontower. Also, I wanted to shout out here in this ad break, Amplify let us use that space and it was so good and so fun and what a cool event. Yeah, it was it was great. And they were, yeah, they were very accommodating to the space. Uh, super nice. If we're, we're probably going to do more things there and we'll try to get a little bit more a little bit more creative with maybe some of the audiovisual and stuff now that we know that we can do it. But yeah, love the folks at Amplify for being great people in addition to being a great credit union. Also, it was super cool to be in a bank after it closed. I felt like I wasn't supposed to be there, but I could be. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, we're back and we are delighted to be joined by Austin FC president, Andy Lockney. Andy, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. This is fun to get back together. What's it been? Has it been a year, two years? It's Yeah, it's been, it's been about a year. Last time we had you on, uh, and we were kind of at this conversation, I think during the off season about having you back and maybe bringing something to the table that people think they know a lot about and maybe don't know a lot about and, and something that you probably know way more about than everybody else. Um, and so we want to talk about the jersey with you tonight. So Mike and I are happy to have you here, um, kind of go through the process, the artistic vision, stuff like that. And we, we sort of can't wait to share this, this inside dive with our listeners. I thought this was basically your way of demanding that I finally share something other than basic, uh, basic insight. So this was a good, this, <laughs> this, you, you did well, you did well to, to, to hit this topic. Yeah. I had to buy Landon a plane ticket just so that I could be on this call and it was totally worth every penny. All so, right, well, let's dive in, guys. Let's talk. Let's talk about Jersey stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, as we all know now, uh, the armadillo kit has come out last week. Uh, we were hoping that you could kind of take us through some brand development goals, uh, maybe along with like the timeline of what it takes to bring a new jersey to to market. Mm -hmm. So we weren't sure, you know, like uh, there are rumors, right, that this needs to be started three years ago to even uh, have a chance at hitting the shelves for, you know, February. Uh, what what does that look like from the club side? Well, it's um, it's definitely a process that I think most people would obviously love to know more about. And, and hopefully I'll be able to share a little bit. So I think maybe maybe just as like a starting point, I think one of the things before you even get to the timing is you got to talk a little bit about how you would plan um, around developing what I would call kind of your identity. So how you want to establish your identity. So in our case, and if we we think about the 2021 set, and, and when I say set, I'm talking about, you right, the two jerseys that would be on the field in any given season. And so for that 21 set, you know, one of the things that we wanted to do was establish the club identity, establish traditions. Um, and so I think if you were to um, hopefully be able to and let, we can talk about the, the the white jersey as sort of a separate matter altogether, which I think you throw out all the rules in the book for that white jersey. But the I guess the most important piece is that, you know, we wanted to establish Verde as a color um, and we wanted to establish vertical stripes as part of uh, our identity. And I think, um, you know, once you have that vision, that allows you to chart your course. You asked about timing. You know, when I first became part of MLS, which was back in 2014, that jersey cycle process from start to finish was closer to 20 months. Um, now the process is a tad longer than two years. So by way of example, um, we started uh, the design direction for the 2026 kit, um, which we would theoretically be releasing in February of 2026. We first started um, having meetings, dis discussions with Adidas back in December of 23. So, you know, here we are in February of 24, and, and we're already a month and a half into kind of our internal process. So by way of timing, that just gives you a sense that, yes, there is a... A lengthy ramp period. And I, I think, you know, there are some obvious reasons why, right? You know, first of all, Adidas is producing a significant amount of product, not just for MLS clubs, but also for a significant volume of clubs and federations 
around the world. And depending on the year, right, if it's a World Cup year for men, World Cup year for women, um, depending on the year, there can be factors that start to really stretch out that cycle. Um, not to mention when you run into things like pandemic, which um, kind of throw a wrench into the development process. But yeah, from a timing point of view, it's a it's a tad longer than than two years. And I guess from, you know, maybe just to sort of get right into it from a process perspective, you know, big picture elements outside of that identity. Right. Again. So so for us, it's it's Verde. It's vertical stripes. I think you also start to think about, you know, especially after you have a couple of years under your belt, you think about what have we done previously? Um what will that set look like as a set? Um, uh, is there a special anniversary? Um, and then I think you also start to design based off of the fact, is it going to be a light color jersey? Is it going to be a dark color jersey? Because depending on, on how you view that, um, maybe you do more, um, you can do more with the dark or maybe a designer views you can do more with light. So I, I think, you know, it depends on, on what you're um, going to design again, dark versus light. But I think one big aspect too that does change each year is the thematic direction. So Adidas does provide an overarching thematic sequence. Um, so for example, they might say, let's pay tribute to um, the heritage of uh, soccer in the 1970s. Or they might say, let's pay heritage to or pay tribute to a specific fashion movement. Um, and so the club then attempts to work within that framework to develop our own theme. So, for example, um, right, if the theme was um, pay tribute to the beauty of nature, um, we'd attempt to draw inspiration from from nature and probably we do something that would maybe be Austin specific. So, you know, I, I think I think we want to layer those um Adidas thematic elements with our own club thematic elements. Um, again, Faraday, vertical stripes. Um, and, and that kind of is the, the starting process. And then, you know, I think then, and maybe I can pause there, but then it kind of leads into sort of like the who gets involved. Yeah, I think before we get into that, I, you mentioned Faraday. And I think a lot of us thought when we saw the first uh, shirt that, that like whatever that Pantone color was going was gonna to be like three color. Yeah, and I think that we were we've been ple personally been pleasantly surprised that there's like some discretion, right, to play across the the color palette. Like how much as somebody who established a brand and spent like a lot of time being like, all right, everybody, this is gonna be like exactly this color scheme because people need to know who we are and like we have to have an identity. Like at what point do you get the clarity where you can kind of loosen up and like, okay, we can be a little playful. Like everybody in Austin knows this is us, like now we can be we can we can like kind of riff on that and not be so dogmatic. You know, I think for us that that would the answer to that would be really early in the life cycle of the club. So yes, I mean we've got this incredible commitment to um, you know three fifty four, which is our special shade of of Verde. Um, but early on, we believed that we wanted to create um, different shades of Verde as part of our evolution. And so literally, right that that second kit, the Sentimento kit. I should say the year two kit, the Sentimento kit, the Moon Tower soccer kit, <laughs> the Moon Tower kit. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. If you want to call it that, um, <laughs> that, that was the, the design process started two years beforehand. So, um, you know, I guess that takes us then to at some point in 2020. And I do remember being on calls during the pandemic. Um, having uh, that thought that we wanted to introduce a new aspect of Verde. So I guess the, the short answer is that 
that was an early decision in the life cycle of the club to begin trying to play with different color green. And, and I think, you know, that project and that process would have largely been by led by Anthony. And, and maybe that's as good a point as any, like from, from like the participation and the involvement. I think one thing that we probably have really never talked about is how important, you know, the name and the visual identity of the club is to Anthony. Um, you know, he's vital to the design process, um, not not because he's the owner of the team. Obviously, that's true. He is vital to the design process because he is the owner of the team. But he's also vital to the design process because he's he's got great ideas. Um, he's a student of Jersey design. Um, I, I, I think, you know, he's very attentive to global football Jersey design. Um, and so, you know, this is a part of Anthony's contributions to the club, um, which I would say rank amongst, if not, you know, certainly anything um, uh, that is, quote unquote, uh, off the field, although technically right jersey on the field, but outside of, you know, the soccer players themselves, I think this ranks towards the top of things that um, he is extraordinarily attentive and involved with. And I and I think, you know, he, he takes great joy with it. And I think hopefully if you look at the body of work, he's done um, a great job leading that process. And of course, like the best, the best processes come from having collaboration. And so collaboration and debate. Um, and so that's no different in Jersey design. So there's um, a team that assembles. And for us, I think we keep it relatively tight. Um, it's Anthony, uh, it's um, head of marketing. So, right. So, so now that's, that's Ryan Madden, um, Meg Linden, who's been doing this um, uh, almost since day one um, here in Austin FC. She's part of that process. And, and, myself kind of round out the internal group and and then we do something unique we um we involve two other layers as part of our process we involve yeti um from from the jump um and i'd say we're probably and i don't know this to be fact but i'd say we're one of probably fewer than five teams in the league that involves their uh jersey sponsor in the design process um i think you know hopefully you guys will appreciate um why that makes sense and why you probably aren't surprised that we would involve um a brand like yeti um we love working them and that's part of what makes it so special but they have great ideas and they have a great sense of austin as well and then of course the other layer that we have involved is our supporters um and I'd say, again, I don't have this data, so I'm just, you know, speculating, could be wrong, but I'd say we're probably one of fewer than 10 teams um, that involve supporters as part of the process. So, you know, I think our supporter inclusion tends to take place a little further down the process, not as early as that first group and not as early as Yeti. Um, but, you know, at some point we do have our supporters begin working on sort of design con contributions. So. You know, as I said, the best outcomes come from collaboration and debate. Um, no different in this case. We all have different tastes. Um, probably not surprising. I happen to have a more conservative preference. Um, I happen to prefer things that are like clean. Um, you know, I also so, try to. I, so we're learning that Andy designs all the away shirts. I, I, and, <laughs> I want, I want to be very clear. I, I am part of a group of people. I I, I should get no credit um, or fault in any of these. But with that said, I do try to gather or try to tie together, um, you know, sort of the fashion viability, the staying power of the jersey. Um, and of course, I do try to understand, you know, sales impact. And I tend to revert back to um, my home base. And my home base happens to be, are we serving a niche audience 
or are we serving a wide audience? And I probably would class myself, uh, classify myself as kind of like a wide audience guy. Um, that doesn't make my perspective right. Um, but if you're looking to understand my possible influences in the process, it'd probably be accurate to say that I tend to be a voice in favor of those cl uh, cleaner design options. Doesn't make me right, but that's tends to be where I play. So we've got this internal team at Austin FC that uh, comes up with these design elements. And then we've got a directive from Adidas around thematic elements. Uh, how involved does the league get in shirt design or, you know, guidance around what is required or things like that? Well, they're, they're involved from the start, but as it relates to sort of um, what happens when that Adidas brief lands in our inbox, um, that's really kind of largely um, managed by the club and Adidas design team. Um, I, you know, for all I know, the league absolutely plays a role. It's a little bit more behind the scenes, um, but I would say, you know, once we have that brief, and I, I'm talking specifically about design. I think once once we have that brief, I think um, Adidas and that sort of that club and Yeti collaboration start to work directly with Adidas. And so, yeah, so like the first step is we have, you know, an internal group conversation. Um, and, and I'd say we throw a fair amount of, you know, design and inspiration on the wall. Um, Again, like we consistently think about what's that set look like? What's our commitment to different shades of Verde? What's our commitment to vertical stripes? Um, and then we kind of start to narrow down our thoughts um, to a mood board. Um, and that mood board kind of has like a, a summary of our inspiration. And 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 then that, that mood board is also um, complemented with um, a narrative that kind of um, packages our thought process um, in words. And so that that first step um, with mood board and narrative um, is kind of what we have for Adidas, and and um, that's passed along. And then you know we 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 start then to um, begin collecting design ideas at that point. But but you know the the first part of that process is not sending them you know very specific designs. We don't we don't have somebody with. Um, CAD drawings coming with submitting actual jersey designs. That's not how it works. Um, in the same way that I know at one point Butler Brothers had a, you know, probably a, a couple long chats about brand development. You know, when we first had our brand blitz back in, I guess it would have been 2017, um, you know, we didn't talk about the name of the team on day one. We did just about everything else. And I think that the parallel here is you don't actually, you know, submit the design of the jersey on day where you submit ideas of where you might be able to land. But I think at, yeah, this, I was... at this point, you're kind of like, you know, you're, you're 17, 18 months out in the process. Yeah, yeah. It's more define the problem statement if you, you know, put it that way. Like, what is the goal of what we're trying to do? And then. yeah. And then, and then eventually we do, we, we, we are able to um, see design ideas and typically you see several design ideas um, and you kind of focus in on one. I think at that point in the process, you start to really get locked in and, and, and really from there, um, you know, there's a handful of, of modifications, but, you know, at that process, you really start to, um, to hone in on one single design and um, you're off to the races, right? You're off to production of samples, you're off to reviewing samples, 
And then, um, you know, very narrow turnaround times um, to continue sort of the process of uh, to allow the process to to never get off track. Right. These these production schedules cannot you cannot miss them. Um, and, I know and, I know I didn't put this in the notes, uh, but it did come up organically. And so I'm wondering uh, if you can give us an example of a rejected design that you that y'all received and we're like, oh, no, this is not it. No, I can't because. I'd say Adidas design team such does such a good job of interpreting the briefs. And I think you've been able to see the body of work um, that Adidas has delivered for what is now, I guess, a 2019 league, so to be 13 league. And I think, you know, they're universally beloved. And I think that's a, a tribute to design uh, to the Adidas design team. So no, I, I, I but I, I genuinely cannot think of an idea that was so um, to your point, <laughs> universally um, through us uh, into some sort of tizzy, but I, I think, I think maybe actually, you know what that does remind me is that um, uh, the I want maybe I can dispel a rumor <laughs> about that white jersey. So um, I think just like this was non-negotiable. Um, one of the jerseys in 2021 in the inaugural season was always going to be that plain white jersey, and and for those that followed the league leading up to that. Almost all, if not all teams in 2020 and 2021 had a um, a single colored kit. And so if we knew we wanted to create a, um, uh, a green and black striped jersey that would help establish the club colors and help establish maybe with vertical stripes, you know, we were left with something that was in the much more plain and light colored variety. And so um, one of those jerseys always had to be that format. So um, what I can say is that, and that that had less to do with turnaround time. It wasn't because, you know, our first year was in 2021 and we were uh, issued our charter in January of 2019. That that, that actually has not uh, played a role. And it certainly had nothing to do with choice or preference. Um, that, ha that had everything to do with, we were we were always going to be in one of those kits. Well, I, I want to follow up with two things that like internet experts always tell me should be true. Cause and one of them mm. I forgot about because remember it's the timing, but I remember every year, like around Black Friday, people are like, why doesn't the team put the jersey out for Christmas holiday? They're clearly losing money and like random guys on the internet are experts on this. So if you can maybe speak a little bit to to like why it's February and not some other time of year, like that would that would be cool to hear. Yeah, I mean, I I will tell you, I think we would love to at least experiment with it that that's a pretty honest raw answer um but yeah it's just it's just not possible i will say that for that very first ever kit um we did receive a very special exemption to launch so if you recall that um you know the uniform for austin um launched in november of 2020 and and by the way we did have to this is this is fun uh fact i don't think it's ever been out there there was a chance that that first ever jersey was going to be that white jersey. And um, I can tell you, we fought very hard to make certain that the very first jersey that our fan base um, was introduced to was not that white jersey. So, um, but but I, I, I do think it's a fair question. It's something I wish we could experiment with. But the reality is, is that, um, you know, we also use the February timeframe to help um, start the season. And so as much as um, there's, there would be, you know, commercial value in the holiday sale experiment. I think there's a lot of value in um, 
February marking the start of MLS season. The other one I was going to ask about was the third kit that like people, you know, I've heard also like, oh, if we Ooh, sell X yeah. number of kits, then automatically there's a third kit. And I would imagine nothing in this world is that cut and dried. So, and I know you just share as much as you're interested in sharing, like on, on that particular item. I, I, I'm probably not interested in sharing as much as your audience would like. I, I guess the short answer is I, I think there's, there's probably um, sort of uh, maybe some old um, rumors and old that were connected to old rules. And, and I think there's probably things that are, are more future facing. Um, I, I suspect at some point, I can't tell you um, exactly what year, but I suspect at some point Austin FC will see a third jersey. It has less to do with um, sales and more to do with the fact that we're one of 29 or soon to be 30 teams in MLS. So every year, uh, information about jerseys seems to uh, appear, right? Whether it's footy headlines or it's... Uh, a an enterprising EAFC data miner or, you know, uh, something just happens to pop up in your uh, ultimate team store, right? Um, what, what I guess is your take on how that kind of reality of so many people working together to create something, there's bound to be something that uh, squeaks out, right? Like, how, yeah. do you, how do you handle that? <laughs> um, uh, a lot of therapy. Um, <laughs> I, I I think the short answer is something you touched upon. There's a lot of human beings involved. And anything with that level of human involvement, um, crossing multiple continents, multiple um, channels, uh, multiple chain of custody handoffs, there are so many elements that have to go perfectly in order for it to work as 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 Anthony and I expect. Um, and and with that said, um, I think we all would prefer, truthfully, we would prefer there to be zero point zero leaks because um, a lot of work goes into um, both the sort of the the narration um, and the design and um, the event planning. Um, and I and I just as an example, I would say that like so for the armadillo kit that um, uh, as you point out may or may not have leaked through some sources. You know when when it's the um, grainy CAD that is of a replica jersey, um, or or maybe it's just a grainy CAD of the authentic, or it's a replica jersey that ends up out there. You know those aren't um, ideal platforms um, for uh, the. For our audience for the very first time, right? Because it gets back to that sort of old, you know, internet social media adage, which is like, you know, the first thing that's released is 90% true, even if it's 100% false. <laughs> and so I, I feel like um, that's the one thing that sort of, um, I guess, bums us out is that a lot of people put um, multiple years of work into it. And you wish there wasn't a slip up, but there's a lot of humans involved. Yeah, to that point, did y'all have the armadillo kit like nailed down two years ago, or was that like, yeah, because that yeah. that narrative and that story and like all the work that went into like releasing all the material for that is really good. Um, I'm happy that you like that, and yeah, that that work is would have been started um, approximately two. I'd have to go back and check the exact date, but it's in the neighborhood of exactly 24 months ago. 
Oh, let's go into... So, we got a game this weekend. Let's maybe... In a building, I think that we all love, that I haven't been in in like three too months, long. which feels like feels like too long. By so, time, I, first the, of all... By the time you um, you are in that stadium on uh, February 24th, it'll have been 140 days since our last match. Wow. That seems like for, forever in my world, my wife is like, oh my God, I can't believe soccer season is starting again. So we have a little <laughs> bit of a different take on it. But just maybe some highlights. Like what, what should we expect to see different either in terms of actually both, either like food or amenities? Like what's the experience going to be like in 2024 that it'll be a little bit different from 2023? Well, the the biggest, and, and it's really, it's game changing for um, fans and our neighborhood, let alone Q2 Stadium, let alone on match day. But um, the biggest is, of course, the, um, the Cap Metro Macau station coming online. And so um, it will be ready for, um, for fans to use for that opener. Um, you guys know this has been a long-term dream um, of the original planners to make this possible. And I, and I, you know, I, I talk about a lot of people and a lot of life's work and a lot of energy um, going into this. Um, this was a project that wasn't always um, certain to happen. This was always the original vision. It's one of the reasons that made this site so special, right? That. Um, what was already a spectacular site had a commuter rail line running immediately adjacent to it. Um, if you could somehow find a way to add a station right there next to the stadium, which was not easy or inexpensive, um, it would make that spectacular stadium even more extraordinary. Um, and again, this was not always the outcome that was guaranteed, but a lot of people put a lot of work and a lot of fans put a lot of work into making this possible as well. And so this, this represents the culmination of that vision, but it is game changing for the stadium in several ways, you know, just try to do this quickly. But um, first of all, for, for um, guests who can use the rail, um, you now have a station stop that's a hundred yards away from the gates. Um, pretty, pretty cool. Um, for those that um, have, thought about ever trying to cross the train tracks from just east of the property, you will have probably noticed that you um, can't cross the rail within a half a mile in either direction um, of the stadium. But now where this new McCalla station is being built, there is a um, pedestrian walkway, an at-grade pedestrian walkway that's been built. And so you can now walk across the tracks right there at the station. And what that does it essentially unlocks a couple hundred parking spaces that either um, people didn't know about, and maybe a few people have been using them, but they've been walking um, further north or south to get to the stadium. Well, now your 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 walking path is all the more quicker. Um, and then just um, east of the the new station, and I'm talking about ten yards from the new station, will be the new drop off and pick up location for rideshare. So for people who use Uber and Lyft and those and, and, and taxis, um, Jeremiah, your limo, I think those- Oh yeah. <laughs> those are, um, uh, th those services are being relocated as part of a new traffic plan um, to what's called the Delta Denton Donnelly Loop. Um, you're gonna probably hear those words come out of my mouth more than once and probably inaccurately come out many of those times. But the Delta Donnelly Denton Loop 
did I just re- rearrange those? And anyway, those the, the, the triple the triple D loop is what we like to prefer it at yeah. refer to it as. You don't have to worry about yeah, the order, diners, but, drive-ins, yeah. and dives. We're huge <laughs> yeah. Guy Fieri fans on All the right. show. So so okay, so the the triple D loop um, is now where the pickup and drop off will happen. And again, that's all about 110 yards away from the stadium gate. So. Um, this is also transformational for the neighborhood. There's a lot of residents that um, are either living in current um, um, units or units that are about to come online right around there. So this is transformational um, for the stadium, but also for everybody in our neighborhood. And there's two more things on the 24th that, that I want to talk about. One is I just uh, just saw press release today that uh, all rides will be free, right, to the first match, yeah. courtesy of Q2. And secondly... I don't know if you know this, but like there's a uh, station grand opening at 10 a.m. on the that day. I, I heard there's a very I, a very handsome. I'm seeing, so yeah, like, yeah. Everybody, everybody should come down and check that out. So like, yes, there may that's be a, I don't know a train busting through a banner. I don't know what's planned. I haven't actually seen it yet. So I apologize if there's if none of that happens. But yeah, no, come on down 10 o'clock in the morning on 24th and check it out, and then come back and ride for free that night. Um. I, I cannot promise that my speech will be um, memorable at all, but hopefully there'll be some music that is memorable. And 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 but you hit the nail on the head. So um, there is um, a uh, really cool thing happening. So for people using the the rail, um, and I'm t- specific to the to the rail on the 24th, um, your ride to and from the stadium will be um, fare free. So um, no fares needed to be paid if you're coming to Q2 for the match um, on Cat Metro's red line. And then uh, the other thing that uh, we wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about is snacks. Um, you know, we love uh, we love concession options. And one of the things that uh, I really appreciate coming from like New England sports where everything is serviced by uh, Cisco or Aramark is the the amount of like local options at Q2. And so I was wondering uh, if you had a personal highlight of your favorite of the new concessions that we've got coming in. Well, you know, you can't, you know, you can't have me pick my uh, favorite children um, right here on the spot. Or, Jeremiah or... does it every week. <laughs> well, because only one of them listens. <laughs> it's it maybe different for him. Yeah. <laughs> that, that does make things uh, much easier. Um, I don't know if I if I if I got the the same luxury, but um, I think we've announced this. Um, so uh, first of all, um, Black's Barbecue um, joins our uh, lineup of local Austin resident uh, restaurants, um, and you know they're replacing Valentina's. Um, Black's is going to be serving uh, brisket, um, uh, pork, uh, pulled pork, um, and um, uh, smoked sausage, um, and and they're going to take over the smoker um, located in the container bar near um, La Barra, which is the southeast corner of the stadium, immediately adjacent to the commu- uh, the the um, supporter section. Um, and then a couple of new items: um, we're adding shawarma, so um, shawarma point is going to be serving um, a beef and lamb gyro. Do you guys say gyro? I say gyro. Do you guys? I say gyro. Jeremiah? Jeremiah, I just eat it. I, I was, whatever, whatever. <laughs> he calls yeah. it gyro and doesn't want to admit it. I don't uh, call it gyro. I, I, at least I got that. <laughs> I thought we were talking about the euro or hero. That I get a little, <laughs> a little torn on that one. Yeah, no, I think the, that that gets. I'm a euro guy. So, um, so shawarma point. Um, and then um, 
there's a little Argentinian being at a little Argentinian flair being added. So um, uh, little Patagonia will be added to the mix and they're going to be serving empanadas. Um, and then um, one taco is going to add kind of a specialty taco of the match. And then I know that Double Dave's is going to add a specialty pizza of the month. So there's a couple of things that are happening. And then what we're also going to do is we're going to expand our value menu. So um, I think I, 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 this has been the case since year one, but just maybe just sort of gets lost. But we do feature um, value menu items. So you know, there's a 699 12 ounce domestic beer option that's been at the state, but it's probably less than 699 when we first started, but 699 12 ounce beer option, um, uh, domestic beer. There's um, a 299 12 ounce soda option. Um, there's a 299 water. We offer kids meals. So that's hot dog, chips, and a small soda or, or, or water. That's $6.49. Those have all existed and, and they'll remain at the same price that they were in 23. We're just going to add the number of locations where those are available. Um, so those have historically been at Munchies, which is in section 103 and Eastside Eats, which is section 127. Um, but we're going to increase the locations for um, some of those items to be at Double Dave's, which is the, the Double Dave's at, at 123. Awesome. And then... I had one more question, Jeremiah, uh, from a listener to the show. They are curious about a rumor that they have heard. Uh, the rumor is that this year there will be an Austin FC2 jersey for sale uh, featuring the MLS Next Pro championship star that our, that our boys at Parmer Field uh, rightfully earned last year. And so anything you want to say about that, Mr. Lachnane? <laughs> uh, you, you, you've caught me in, in a moment where I can't quite um, address that. Listen, I, I do think that the, uh, the boys have earned um, a star above the badge. Um, and I think if you just have some patience, hopefully we'll be able to talk about what, what it looks like on field um, and what may be available or not available at retail. So I can't address that rumor. Don't want to get hopes up. Don't want to get hopes down. Just don't um, just can't um, get into the hope business or uh, ATX FC two uh, Jersey situation quite yet. That's like this is it. That is a non-committal answer uh, in every aspect of my answer. I appreciate that about you, Andy. You're yeah, you're uh, you're as thorough as you as you choose to be. No, it's it's good. It's like a tease. We'll have you, but this is like we'll have him back for more, like more yeah. more from Andy later on. That was my uh, we way were of in a uh, second team segment in in a month's time. Ooh, uh, we were asked to do uh, a video clip of your response to that question, uh, just as a as an FYI. For the the face readers oh, out there, pantomime to to, analysis. That's yeah, 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 yeah. I think I I think I held strong. Frame by frame, they'll go through, and you know, <laughs> no sweat beads. I don't think there would have been anything atypical on that. I think I I think I would have carried myself well. So. I think you did it. All right, man. Well, we appreciate it. You've I've given us a ton of time. We're excited about what's what's in store. We're happy to learn about some things in the Jersey process. Uh, to dispel some rumors and, and get some insights that I don't think it's been anywhere, anywhere else. So really appreciate your time and, and sharing. And yeah, we'll definitely have to do it again sometime relatively soon. That was great, guys. And uh, we will see you on Saturday. When the world is around.
Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our premier sponsor, McGuire Woods Consulting. McGuire Woods Consulting helps clients in the public affairs space from lobbying at the local, statewide, and federal levels to digital communications campaigns across the country. McGuire Woods Consulting has offices in 10 MLS cities, but only advertises on this podcast because it's the home of the two-time reigning Copa Tejas champions, which honestly is actually the most important trophy in professional sports. I know it's in the ad copy, Jeremiah, but it's just factually true. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Yes. And the way we won it last year is the best way to win it. If you want to talk more about Copa Tejas or Maguire Woods Consulting, you should contact our friends at www.mwcllc for more information. Moon Tower Soccer is also brought to you by Sage Wilson Realty. The Sage Wilson Realty team is made up of Austin experts who are client-focused and have over 30 years of combined real estate experience. If you or someone you know are in need of Sage real estate advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Realty. Be sure to check them out online at sagewilson.com. Awesome. Uh, What a good interview with Andy. I can't believe you don't remember what you rated Austin FC to finish. At the okay, end. I'm going to go. I believe I guessed 8th to 10th because we had a range. We did have a range. Uh, I guess people are going to have to listen to the live show immediately after this closing here to find out if that's true. So, uh, Jeremiah, I just want you to remember that you can also submit a rating, a review, and you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to Moon Tower Soccer. And I know you have kids and a wife, and they all have phones. So you can <laughs> and they can all do, do those things. You can yeah. also do it on their phones while they're not in the room. It helps our audience grow and exposes more people to our club and the show. If you want to continue the soccer conversation online, you can check us out basically everywhere. We're kind of spotty on some some platforms, yeah. but I'm Jay Bentley underscore ATX. The show's Moon Tower Soccer, and you are future X skeleton uh, because one day I'll be a skeleton, but I'm not yet. And I also set up a, a blue sky feed for Austin FC, uh, basically any mention of Austin FC. So if you're on blue sky, uh, search for that feed and it shows chronological only Austin FC posts. So it kind of like declutters your feed in a nice way. So I like it. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Blue Sky as well. And Jeremiah, then we, me, what? I'm going to be yeah. doing a best ball uh, MLS Fantasy League draft with the other local podcasts. So we're going to expand from four podcasts to six this year with the uh, Verde Pendant and the Phil West Soccer Experience adding to that. But this will be on the North End Pod, social media channels, Instagram, YouTube, wherever else you may uh, do that. Landon has sent me notes. And give me specific direction to not deviate from them. I will be in his standing in his place while he's out of town. I have an open challenge to uh, to the North End Pod on their best ball league to include Swoon Tower for the next one. Uh, we nice. will only draft the handsomest players in the league. And so, uh, you know, how that works out for our points will be very interesting to see. But uh, hashtag no uggos on that team. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's there's a lot of handsome boys in Major League Soccer. There are worse ways. Yeah, there are worse ways saying. to pick a team than to yeah. do that. Especially if then, we get an early enough pick to get Buanga. <laughs> like, who knows? 
Sky's who knows where it there. goes? <laughs> yeah. All uh, right, everybody. Sure also, for the for the Patreon, uh, give give your money to Landon and Jeremiah because they put in a lot of work for this show, and they're good folks. And I heard that there may be exclusive content at some point or another potentially coming to the Patreon. That's a really good teaser since even Landon doesn't know that and we'll find out about it when he listens to this show. Like <laughs> what decisions we've made for him. And then be sure to check out our friend Phil West Substack. We've talked about the value of independent media. You can catch him at verdealldaysubstackcom slash Moontower for a discount. Next week, we're going to be back with a review of an actual match, Minnesota United. We're going to get back into a preview of the Seattle match. Still haven't decided like how we're going to do previews this year. So if you have like a really good idea about what you want to hear, there's still time to figure it out. Um, and we'll cover any other Austin FC news that comes comes up. All right. Until then, I'm Mike Craniola. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. And we'll catch you in like 50 minutes after you listen to this live show that's coming up next. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we are live at Amplify Credit Union. My name is Landon Cottom, and I'm joined by star of stage and screen, Austin's original bad boy, Jeremiah Bentley. Wow, I'm feeling a lot of pressure here. <laughs> hey, everybody, I'm Jeremiah Bentley. I'm so happy to be here, uh, to see you all in the room, to think about those of you who may be listening to it uh, on, on the show next week. And I am delighted to be joined again by our friend and style icon, Mike Cagnola. Hey, y'all. I am Mike Craniola. Thank you so much for having me uh, here to represent the Swoon Tower contingent this evening while my wife is watching Romeo and Juliet at Alamo Drafthouse. Oh, can we cover that? Yeah. Like you're, you're like, yeah, I'm in. It's like, oh, wait, Steph says I can't come. Boys. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mom says I can't play. We're at Romeo and Juliet. So Originally, like- we had two tickets. Uh, turns out we are comfortable with only using one of them. Okay. And so y'all get me tonight. You're okay. welcome. So... Yeah, when do they cheer? You told them to cheer. (laughs) 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 I'll I'll add it in post. Yeah, perfect. Now we can sample that and use it like a lot. (laughs) I'm gonna add it to this. I'm gonna add it to the soundboard. Uh, All right. So since we only do one show per week. We're usually pretty pressed for time. We don't get a chance to talk about ourselves or like throw kind of fun things into the show. And so for those of you who came out tonight, I'm going to assume that we have endeared ourselves to you at least a little bit. And so maybe you would indulge us to do something silly today and also something that will let you get to know your hosts a little bit better. And when I say your hosts, I mean me specifically because... (laughs) I made the game, and it's going to be like a quiz show for... About Landon? About you? Partially. (laughs) Awesome. Great. It's partially trivia about me, but mostly a reason to say a bunch of silly words into a microphone. (laughs) Perfect. So, Mike, I need you to not look at my computer screen. I'm going to cheat. I'm totally (laughs) going to cheat. So, Like, not on purpose. This is a game format that I stole from one of my favorite podcasts that's called Jordan Jesse Go. And occasionally they will have just a silly little quiz thing. And um, I'm going to give Jeremiah and Mike three names. One of the names is the name of a band that I played in. One of the names is the name of a beer. 
period? And then, have you drank this beer? Yeah. No, what, it's, it's how does it connect to you? Mo- no, th- that's the part that's not about me. This is just <laughs> this is mostly to distract you. Okay. Uh, and then the third one is going to be something that I completely made up. Okay. And then okay. you guys are going to have, I'm going to give you the three names. You then have to say, this one's the beer, this one's the band, this one's made up. Okay. All right. I got, got that. It. Any questions? No. No. Okay. So the first one. Oh, I have a question now. Okay. What do we get for winning? Nothing. Um, do you want to do you want to go against each other or do you want to I assumed, work together? I, yeah, we should independently each pick. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, Jeremiah, you go first. Uh, okay, the first name is <laughs> Which one's which? <laughs> first name is Battlesnakes. The second one is Secondhand Superman and Big Shorty. Wow. Battlesnakes. Secondhand Superman, Big Shorty. Which one's a beer? Which one's a band? Which one's made up? Okay, I want to say Battlesnakes is a beer. Okay. Secondhand Superman sounds like a band. Okay. And Too Short or Slim Shorty or Fat Boy Slim or whatever is made up. You got all three of them right, Jeremiah. Congratulations. Yeah. I knew Secondhand <laughs> Superman. <laughs> Yes. I Sec- knew that one. Secondhand Superman is a 90s cover band I played in when I was 18 years old. We were not very good. I won't be taking any more questions at this time. Okay. Mike, you're mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. We have Total Disorder. Okay. Poutine Porter. And Run Home Jack. Okay. Uh, I know this one too. Uh, poutine Porter is a beer. Uh, Run Home Jack is the band. And Total Disorder is a made-up set of words that you thought I would think was one of your bands because it sounds like a band I would listen to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You got the band correct. The other two are wrong. Total Disorder is a one. That's the beer name I threw in to make you think it would be a bad band that I was in when I was a teenager. Uh, And then uh, Poutine Porter is the one I made up. Poutine Porter sounds like a real beer, though. It sounds like a terrible real beer. As a a poutine poutine fan. (laughs) Okay. I mean, there's a lot of bad real beer. Round round three. Jeremiah, you're up. Okay. We have Doc Brown and the Jigawatts. We have the Larry Bird Flu. (laughs) That's great. I don't know what that is, but it's my favorite of all three. (laughs) And we have Luminous Beings. Okay. I'm going to say Luminous Beings is a beer. Okay. I want you to be in the Larry Bird flu as oh, a band. I would love that. And the Jigglewatts is made up. What do you think, before you answer, Wait. what do you think uh, Larry, the Larry Bird flu sounds like? Like what genre of music are they? And whatever, whatever the Brian Jonestown's Massacre plays. <laughs> yeah, sure. I feel like it's like what the Larry Bird flu. <laughs> Experimental, like progressive rock. A lot of math in, involved. Was that real? No. Okay. Oh. <laughs> so you got you got one right. Luminous Beings is a beer. That's another beer name I threw in that sounded like a band name. Uh, Doc Brown and the Gigawatts was the original name of Secondhand Superman. Oh wow! And then the Larry Bird flu was what I wanted to name Secondhand <laughs> Superman, but the actual bird flu pandemic had just kind of passed, and it was one of those like too soon moments. Yeah, and uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, I thought for sure the Larry Bird flu was a grindcore band that you'd started, <laughs> like trying to be edgy, you know, 17-year-old Landon, like, 
And I have a friend who runs a burlesque troupe called the Jiggle Watts. So were they at all involved? No. This Did you was have go-go just, dancers? Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, this was, this Would was girls just, talk to you when you're in that band? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> That's why they changed the name. <laughs> Three Doors Down was popular. Secondhand Superman just fits right in, you That's, know? You're... You're sadly very close to the truth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, round four. This is yours, Mike. We have Count Chungus. <laughs> Ronald Reagan. And the Alan Jackson Five. I was expecting a larger laugh from for Alan Jackson Five. You can't you can't get a larger laugh after Ronald Reagan. That's so good. <laughs> Ronald Reagan could be any of the three, and that's exactly. why it's the hardest. Yeah, that's the hardest one. Uh, I am gonna say that that is a beer. Ronald Reagan's a beer. Yep. Okay. Uh, the Alan Jackson Five is made up, and the first one was a band. Count Chungus is a band. Yeah. Uh, oh, I forgot it was Count Chungus. You definitely made that up. That one's fake. <laughs> uh, Alan Jackson 5, I'm going to go with as the band. You got none correct. Wow. Oh, oh. I was so oh. confident. Count, <laughs> Count Chungus is a beer. Uh, Ronald Reagan is a band that I played in. Brilliant. We maybe played one show. We mostly practiced. I don't know if you're seeing a running theme, but... We thought of band names more than we practiced. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, the Alan Jackson Five was second on the list of names I wanted to name secondhand Superman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I don't know where the count lies here. Uh, Jeremiah is killing me. We have one more round. Yeah. So the first name here is The Lesbian Breakfast. So, um, wait, is this the last round? So we're both going to... We're both yeah, y'all can tag team this and whoever, go okay, together. Yeah. Okay. And if we get it all right, we win the prizes. Sure. I mean, they don't yep. exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. We win Landon's car. He was so proud nice. about it. Wow. Remember, he's yeah. so proud about it. Uh, it only feels right that one of us wins it. Perfect. Okay. You heard it. You we don't have, have to trade him your car, though, right? <laughs> no, no, no. We just win his. Okay. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Your BMW is safe. Okay. <laughs> we have Skidmark. The Lesbian Breakfast... And Fred Savage Garden. <laughs> I, I don't know. One of those would be a beer. I feel like Skidmark could be a beer. There, there's a beer in every list, Jeremiah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah under, yes, I understand. I feel like this. Lesbian Breakfast could also be a beer, though. It's more fun beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do we want to agree that the last one is made up? Fred Savage Garden? Yes. Fred okay, Savage Garden. We've got audience up. consensus as yeah. well. Uh, so that one's made up. So y'all, which one is, wait, what are our other choices here? We have the Lesbian Breakfast, Fred Savage Garden, and Skidmark. Okay, so who thinks Lesbian Breakfast is a beer? No, like this is, this is an audio format. You'll have to yeah, like yeah, make yeah. noise. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just, yeah. Okay, and is Lesbian Breakfast a band? Yeah, so we're going to go Lesbian Breakfast as the band and Skidmark as the beer. You nailed it. Let's go. Woo! They nailed oh, it. Team. Skidmark, again, threw it in because it would be a, something stupid that teenagers would name their punk band. Mm -hmm. uh, Lesbian Breakfast is a real band that I played in, and it was like a 
punk or like a like a pop band that mostly consisted of sexual innuendos for song nice. titles. <laughs> um, and then Fred Savage Garden was third on the list <laughs> of what I wanted to name Secondhand Superman. <laughs> okay, that's all I have for today. Let's move on to some actual soccer talk, shall we? Uh, I loved getting that look into your brain. I, I I'm can't terrified take, by these that are, look. These were team efforts. This was, again, we, we did this more than we practiced. You can pass the buck all you want. <laughs> I, this is all you I now. would love to take credit, <laughs> full credit for all of these, Mike. Uh, okay, so we have a few kind of big picture Austin FC things. Since we recorded a show literally yesterday, um, we're not going to try to cover m- any like topical things or news tonight unless you'll have a question about something because later on we're going to do audience questions. So we'll get there here in a bit. But I think where we're going to start now is just kind of looking at a, a big picture look at the roster. So as of right now, Jeremiah, do you know how many senior rosters Oh, you know what? This reminds have? me. This is the part of the show usually where I write questions for myself, then I forget <laughs> to go back and look up the response, and then there's like a four-minute pause that none of y'all hear. Well, well I figure out the answer <laughs> to the question I wrote. I have, I have a count. I don't okay. know if it's right. I'm glad to see Long here because he, <laughs> he probably actually knows, who knows yeah. these things regularly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not expecting you to know, but we can bounce this off of you. By my count, we have 17 or 18 senior roster spots filled. I think my question mark is Danny Pereira. We're not quite sure. Like, Yeah, he's still listed as supplemental on MLS's website, but, you but can't that doesn't trust mean that website. anything. Right. Um, Um, so 17 or 18 senior roster spots. And then by my count, I think we have four, four, what supplemental four supplemental, maybe five. If Danny doesn't count for one, right. But all that being said, still like five to seven spots that we could potentially fill. Um, how many of those do you think we will fill now? How many do you think we'll fill in the summer? And do you think we'll like have more? than that in the summer so i wish i remember what we would have done in over under so i could agree with myself from two weeks ago <laughs> but i think like 17 to 8 i think 18 senior players is probably where we end up going into the year with a couple with some money in hand and a couple uh signings to add during the summer and then supplementals that how many trialists do we have in now what one two um at least I, a couple i think uh the center back Antonio Gomez, maybe? I can't remember his last name. And then Farquhar Loon Lune is technically still a trialist. True. Who are you Chris Garcia? He's, well? uh, he signed for the second team. Got it. So he has a contract with the second team, um, which means he's probably not going to really get a shot with the first team. Looking through the different, the different positional groups, I was trying to count. I, I, it felt like we had like a lot of spots to fill everywhere. For better or for worse, it's not entirely true. Some of these position groups are more or less what they're going to be unless there's outgoing movement. So the positions where I see like obvious need are center back. We still really just have three, Cascante, Bison, and Hedges. So that's a spot where you expect to see at least a supplemental spot signing in and this that, first window. And that you feel like that's come from somewhere else, right? Like 
is it Saul Mazzaf- It has to be either a trial or somebody from outside the family, right? Like, I don't see Saul Mazzaferro, as much as I love him and his tiny shin guards and short shorts, like, I don't see him being the guy. Uh, Especially if he's going to take up an international, international roster spot. Like, right. They're not going give to give that to him. I, I, don't, I don't think you waste an international roster spot on Saul Mazzaferro. Okay, your fourth or fifth center oh, back. Right. <laughs> a Canadian. Canadian. Um, dare they? And then the other spot, so looking at striker, we've got Rubio and Zardes now. I think that third spot, I still think that that is like... Will the, Bruins. No. <laughs> he's still, he's going to monster truck races. He's still he's hanging in around. Town. Yeah. He's, he's here if you need him, you know? I think that is, we're going to call it the Miguel Borja slot. Not necessarily that Miguel Borja is going to be the one to take it up, but they're going to leave it open in case someone else does come along be it now or in the summer um and then looking at fullback we have Gallagher, Kolmanich, Biru, Jimenez and then reports from Tong Bogert today that uh Mikhail Dessler which is the second time we've heard this be reported and whenever Bogert says it it's it's usually more, more or less official yeah. right so uh that's another fullback there so I, I'd say we're probably done there and then I was thinking about this this morning too. That's like a position I feel good about. Like those five guys, it feels like a pretty solid. There's a lot of spots with a lot of holes, but and a lot of seat fillers who end up in those. <laughs> but like those five plus Hector Jimenez, which I wouldn't even mention right out there. Yeah, his fullback somewhere doing whatever he's gonna do. Like I feel like that that one becomes solid, just like the sort of back part of the midfield does for me, which is it feels nice. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm not terrified about what the, we're doing uh, everywhere. The new midfield for Austin FC. We're going to have plenty of dudes in there that do mostly the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and looking at the midfielders, we've got Juicy, Pereira, Ring, Wolf, Valencia. Again, I, I feel like there's room to upgrade on some of these, but I don't really see Austin FC prioritizing that necessarily. Wingers, we actually have a fair amount on the team, but I think this is another spot where we could see some movement uh, as far as roster spots going and this is the one i was saying for better or for worse like the guys we have are the guys we have and maybe you don't like that but that might be where we end up we've got rigoni finley obrian fodre burton is on the roster uh jimmy farker is we'll see where he ends up he may end up with the second team but he's an option but there is some space to at least use a supplemental roster spot maybe one of those senior spots in that position so we're getting closer to full, but there's still like with the right signings, you could still make a, some difference in, in what this team looks like. Well, you did a good job talking about this. I think last week uh, is just like, sure, the floor is higher now, but still there's not a lot of world beaters there and continues to be the question. Like, where are the goals coming from, from among that group? Unless you're just counting on a, like a magical juicy return to 22, 22 form. I think Diego Rubio if he's healthy is the answer there, right? Like this is a guy who before his knee injury put up, what was it? 16 and seven with Colorado. I think that's right. Yeah. 16 and seven. Like that's a lot of production that we've never had out of the nine. So that'd be cool. That would be cool. (laughs) But we've got a, like, I'm sorry, a 30 year old nine returning from injury. It feels like a common Austin FC experience, like all the way back to uh, Danny Hooson, Vic Celery, who never even, Got on the field. <laughs> Big celery. Do you remember his real name? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> Aaron Schoenfeld. There you go. Okay. 
we're not going to get into the big celery story because <laughs> I've heard it has unsavory origins. Um, looking at what we've seen from preseason so far, do you guys feel like you've learned something from it? No. <laughs> uh, no, I, I have learned that most of our starting 11 is healthy. And that Alex Ring will probably play deeper this year. But not center back deep. So don't yeah, say not it. as deep this year. <laughs> if hopefully. you say it out loud, it makes me worried that it'll happen. <laughs> um, is there anything you think we should ignore from Wait, 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 Landon. You get to answer. Like, don't, you don't get to ask all the questions. Yeah. What do you think we've learned from this preseason? No, I mean, we, we've seen the one game, right? And from that one game, it does seem – we talked about it on – the show yesterday and today. today. <laughs> yeah. uh, th- there, there are some new wrinkles being added, some, some seeming shifts being made in both the attack and defense. So we'll see like how much of that was just this one game and how much of it is like actual efforts being made to change things up. But I feel like that's the only substantial thing that I've learned so far. Um, is there anything you think we should ignore from preseason. I mean, I feel like I've gotten excited about Danny Houston and Roddy Reddit scoring goals in the preseason, and that didn't pay out at all, ever. So, like, I love the production we got from the new guys up front in the last, in the LA Galaxy match, the one we got to see, and I'm also going to choose to ignore it for now and rely on the history of, like, what we've seen from them over time. Wait, so my Jimmy tattoo across my ribs was a bad <laughs> idea? <laughs> but do you even... Yeah, it's even permanent. Was a real Dude, it's permanent. <laughs> like... <laughs> But no, yeah, I think to your point, right? Like, uh, I take preseason results like they may as well not even keep score, right? Uh, to me, it's about can this man run ninety minutes? If yes, cool, we're done. Yeah. Now you talked about mostly healthy. We got the is Julio Cascante. <laughs> yeah, that's breaking news. Breaking news that he's. Not been healthy in the preseason. Well, I guess we kind of knew it because we didn't see him in he the didn't match. Play, but, right? Yeah. Um, is that a point of concern? I think yes. it, yeah, for now, because if, if he is out, it leaves us with two center backs. Two actual center backs, both right? of whom are also coming off of injuries and trying to recover. So that is a little concerning. If we can, again, if we can make another signing, or like once you get, like, I don't think Biru has actually played center back, but he's got at least the the size to slot into like that three in the back shape and like not just get dominated in the air all the time same for Dessler and we're not going to see him till the summer it seems but um I I will be pretty exasperated if Alex Ring has to drop I was gonna back say, to say same for Alex Ring again. I have a mic question yeah of your of your Alex Ring's hairstyles he's had over the last uh, like three years my heart which 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 do you love the most? Yeah, I'm wearing all black because I'm still in mourning for the flow. Uh, I thought it looked so good. I thought, like, could you be more Nordic than here's a man <laughs> with this long, beautiful flow. Uh, it's always under a hat, so it's got that little bit of, like, hockey hair, like, wave to it. Like, man, what a waste. What a waste <laughs> to cut that short. I was disappointed at the cutting the long hair off, but he does, he looks like he means business with the short hair, and I'm not mad about that. Yeah. I, as long as he keeps the, like, villain goatee look, I'm fine. 
if he shaves that off, uh, I'm, I'm out. Ring out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we go to season predictions, or should we save that until after listener questions? Oh, let's, I mean, let's get that out of the way now. Season predictions? Yeah, because I think that'll, that might inform people's questions. Okay. Like, you know. Starting with, like, what is wrong with you? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, Depending yeah, upon yeah. what they're going to be. Uh, I have a, an embarrassing question. How many teams are in the Western Conference? 14. Right? 14? Because we, because we have to play... Because uh, we still had that weird like play. Yeah. We had to play teams three times again thing, which we will okay. finally get solved next year. Next year. And so it's 14 in the West. Okay, I, I needed to know what the floor was. Yeah, for 14. Yeah, 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 when yeah. you ask a question that way, we're not going to say first. I feel like <laughs> you don't need to know that. Uh, okay, what, what's, your, what's your prediction? You can give a range if you'd like. Give a range. And again, let's, say, let, let's put a limit on the range. How small should the range be? Four places? Four places. Two places. No, four. four. Two <laughs> two's have, too tight. Have you two's ever too watched tight. MLS? Yeah, you two's can't. too tight for MLS. I won't need Okay, a we'll range, settle on three. I like this. Three? Like, yeah. It makes it hard. Okay. Yeah, it makes it hard. And the beauty of this all is that we have no idea what the playoff format's going to be, so we can't even <laughs> ask. Like, yeah. I mean, the season's nine days away. We can't even be like, are we going to be a playoff team or not? Like, are we going to be I a home know. playoff <laughs> team or not? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Was the play-in cutoff nine last year? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, Jeremiah, what's your range? Uh, my range is eight to ten. That's like an optimistic, like, I love joy. That's how, <laughs> like, that's, I, that would be my real, if I was being objective, would probably be lower. I'm going to go with 8 to 10 because, <laughs> like, we're doing an Austin's FC show. The folks in the room just saw me do math on my fingers to make sure that that was three places. Because <laughs> my head heard 8 to 10 and thought, oh, that's two. <laughs> it's three. What do you got, uh, Mike? Oh, so, I think this is the hardest part of uh, being a sports fan, right? Because my heart says we are going to go 34-0-0. Uh, we are going to be the number one team in the West, the number one team in the world, the number one team in the history of sport. Multiple 9.5 celebrations <laughs> yes, every game. Every game, it's going to get exhausting cataloging all the goals we score, right? <laughs> but my brain knows that this team's probably going to be bad. And the sooner I can reconcile what my brain knows uh, with my heart's emotions, the sooner I can make an expectation that allows me to feel joy throughout the whole season. And so... It's <laughs> a really long... All I'm like trying journey. to say is we could finish anywhere from 1st to 14th. Uh, but specifically, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with uh, with Jeremiah here. So I so I just said eight to ten. Eight to I, ten. Yeah, I save like four yeah. minutes of time for yeah, everybody yeah, else. Yeah. But sure. Yeah, I'm gonna. I I agree with everything you just said, Mike. <laughs> and I feel like I want to go one spot lower just to set those expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even lower, but I'm not going to. I'm gonna be an optimist here tonight. <laughs> And just trust that nobody's gonna hold. Nobody's gonna remember yeah, you know, or hold pe- me to people, this. This is we're, this is being recorded, right? You know, second this, right? to fourth. No, is that yeah, what you're saying? Who's gonna listen to this in in November or whatever? <laughs> nobody. Some of these people. <laughs> nobody. Will now. Uh, I'm gonna say seven to nine. Nice. That's right. What? 
What do you think is the absolute ceiling? Like, what is the absolute highest you could reasonably expect? Even if like things break their way, they're lucky. What's the what's the ceiling here? I like we have we have various ranges around the room. I'm gonna go technically one one. There's some ones here. Technically, one is the <laughs> ceiling. Is the ceiling. He's technically correct. Technically. <laughs> Uh, I think the roster as constructed today is yeah. what you're asking. Not if we no, sign. No, no. I think you get somewhere. Uh, if you well, think I mean, it's realistic, let's, let's even say like say say they bring in a DP in the summer. Okay, like that hasn't worked out for us so well yet. So I don't know that it necessarily. Sebastian Driussi says otherwise. That's one of how many? <laughs> <laughs> one of two that we've brought in in the summer. I'm saying DPs. Period. <laughs> But that makes me sad. <laughs> uh, realistically, I think our this, ceiling this isn't Swoon Tower. Mike. Is we have to talk about sad things. Fourth, <laughs> absolute ceiling is fourth. Fourth, yeah. Higher or lower, Jeremiah? Uh, I'm gonna go lower. I was gonna go to fifth. I think fifth is still optimistic. There's some oh, good geez, teams Brandon. in the West this year. Uh, we've got work to do to, on paper, get to where five teams have gotten even with summer transfers taking into account. I'm going to say six is still feels like pretty optimistic to me. Um, and that's like, that's if Diego Rubio comes in and lights it up. That's if Drew C hits 2022 form. That's if Owen Wolf and Danny Pereira take that next step that we're all hoping that they can. That's if our center backs stay healthy. That's if Biru is as good as we hope he is like, that's if, all of those things happen, I still think we don't get higher than fifth or sixth. I think if we can hit on a DP, it changes the entire calculus for this team, right? Like, to your point, we've been so bad at signing the biggest game-changing players in the league. If we can do well, it, like, yeah. Four. Hope you're right. <laughs> Hope you're right. <laughs> All right. We're going to pivot to listener or I guess audience questions tonight. You're here in person. Uh, the way we're going to do it is Jeremiah is going to stand here and put a microphone up to your face. And then you're going to talk not, into not it. Not this one's face. No. <laughs> I, I, I point, as I point at my firstborn son. The large one, right? The, my, my large <laughs> teenage son. Yes. All right. Who's got questions? Moises, yeah. you're first. Moises. So I've got something that's really stat. Excuse, sir. Hold. Hi, my name's uh, my name's Henry Verde Hill. You can call me Hank if you're nasty. Um, I'd like to address this directly to one Michael Crunola, who's not as optimistic as I would like him to be. Um, I, I want to know um, what team in the West you think has worse chances than us, and why is it Portland or Colorado? <laughs> Yeah, uh, great question, Henry. Thank you so much for being a loyal listener. Uh, I think I think Portland could be really bad, uh, especially if they move Evander. Um, but I think Colorado has made some really good moves to play really miserable-looking soccer this this year. Uh, I'm going to be really disappointed when they like low-block encounter the shit out of a. Sorry. <laughs> Low block encounter the, the, the poop <laughs> the poop out of us uh, for 90 minutes of miserable soccer in the middle of the summer. I think it's also hard. There's so many moves in and out 
of MLS this year, there's a lot of teams bringing in DPs or like high level guys that they're counting on to be difference makers. And we don't know if these guys are going to hit yet or not. Right. So I think there's a lot of teams where it's just like, I think they're going to be good. Or like, I think Colorado's done enough to not be in last place again, but also they started in last place. So they had a lot of work to do. So I think it's going to be even more MLSE than it has been in years <laughs> past as far as like predicting who's going to finish where. Speaking of, do you think Coco Carasquilla stays in Houston? I hope not. Well, same, but like <laughs> I thought he was going to leave in the wintertime and he's still there. I mean, now at this point, like whose windows open? Nobody that would be in the range to buy him, right? So he may be sticking around till summer. For Yeah, until summer, right? It's not like necessarily an all year thing. And I think... Like, to your point about the guys coming in and out, like, we had this, uh, if they're coming from Europe or South America, they're better than who's here. And, like, that often does not turn out to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we all become experts of these guys that we've never actually seen before play. And there just has to be a little bit of, like, actually observing how they <laughs> fit into the league before we maybe make uh, firm decisions about that. All right, Brian. Okay. Thanks, Jeremiah and Landon and Mike. Longtime listener, first-time caller. Excited <laughs> to be on the show. <laughs> Um, so, if you saw MLSsoccer.com today, there were two articles that I read. They could have come out late, earlier in the week. May have missed them. One was, like, homegrown player to watch on each team. Of course, it was Owen Wolf because, obviously. Only option, right? Only option. <laughs> the other one was breakout player to watch. Also Owen Wolf, But it was kind of like, well, he's kind of could be behind Danny Pereira and Alex Ring in the depth chart. So, who is your breakout player? And by breakout player, it means who needs to provide the assists to Rubio and hopefully Jeriusi so they can score some damn goals. Yeah, I mean, to the second part, that is still a big question in my mind. <laughs> is in 2022, like Jeriusi is not the like the classical number ten, right? And he wasn't in 2022 either. I think it's a misconception nationally when you look at. Um, at journalists or TV folks talking about him and they want him, they think he should be doing what Reynoso does for Minnesota and he's not that player. He had Diego there playmaking for him and providing a lot of the, the creativity in that final third. In 2023, Diego stopped doing that. In 2024, he's not here and we really haven't replaced that yet as far as someone creative to come in and do that. I think Owen Wolf probably is still my breakout player of the year, like the one like if he takes the step we think he can, he could really make a big difference in this team, but he's not going to be that playmaker guy even if he does. Like that's not his game. And so I yeah, I I don't think one of those questions solves the other and that's concerning to me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a little bit which I think maybe is the point of the article like okay, but who else? Like especially <laughs> yeah. if you think about breakout, like maybe, you know, O'Brien gets productive again or you know I mean there's there's players who could like recover but there's not a lot of like young promising like game-changing talent on this club and maybe some of it's just the fact that it's still a young team and like the academy hasn't produced and the second team hasn't produced those players yet but that's like a real gap in terms of this roster yeah um I think my Biggest hope for a breakout season is from Danny Pereira this year. I was uh, going to say, like, it'd be like a second breakout, right? right? Like yeah, that yeah, yeah, next yeah. level. Because he's, he's moving up in the field now. Um, I don't know if y'all saw the uh, Rooted in Austin uh, season four, episode one or whatever, where it's like a spotlight on Danny. He's like a man now? Like, he, he like... <laughs> 
and, and I know that sounds crazy, right? Like he's 22 or whatever, but like he like is taking himself in like training and in video like seriously at a different level than I think we've seen him before. And I think he must know that like if he wants to make a move, he's got to show that he's ready to take that step. And so I would love for that to happen for him. Yeah, we've seen a little bit out of him just the like developing into more of a leader and more of the face of this club and more. And so it's, it's good to see that he's like recognizing that and leaning into it. And so, yeah, that, that could be a good outcome. But I would love, I would love some more like race car noises background. Yes. Stuff like <laughs> yeah, you yeah, see yeah. training videos. Like the guys should be mic'd up all the time. Yes. It's very entertaining still. All right. Anybody else? Jackson Bentley. <laughs> all right. You come up after that. You have to ask a question for somebody that's not your dad. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you do not. You're allowed to ask a question to anyone. This is a personal put it, question. Put it in your face, right up, Jackson. Right up to your mouth. This is a personal question to this guy. Which is your favorite bathroom in the QCU Stadium? <laughs> Great question. Wow. <laughs> do, you think you, do you feel like you have an answer? Oh, no, it's because I'm in my 40s and I never stop. I, like, I never pass the bathroom. That's actually why. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to go to a turnstile before we walk over. Uh, oh, in Q2. Well, the South End um, one behind the supporter section, because, like, you just, you don't often get into chanting while you pee, except unless you happen to be, <laughs> unless you happen to be at a match, right? So Yeah, for, uh, for the folks who do not use the men's bathroom in the South End of Q2, I don't know what happens in the ladies' room over there, but I do know in the men's bathroom there is almost always singing while peeing. <laughs> uh, and it is a special experience. <laughs> it does. It does. And every once in a while, I was like, I know you from the podcast. I'm like, can we have this outside? <laughs> right? And not while... Yeah, yeah. Let's not take the selfie now. Now we're having a moment here next to each other. All right, next Next question. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you. This is a little bit of a request phrase as a question. I was wondering if when you speak with Andy Lochnane, whenever that is, if you could ask him on the record whether we are going to get an Austin FC2 jersey with an ATX FC2 crest and a star above it. With a little star? Okay. Yeah, we could. I love that. Okay, so people who don't like appreciate this don't know the stars like why, why would we why would we do that well because we're the best team in the world and we deserve stars well, obviously <laughs> and we proved it by winning a <laughs> by championship winning the, yeah by winning the league next year yeah uh i does it i'm not i don't have any inside info on this me neither <laughs> i've heard it's a possibility you but you <laughs> <laughs> so y'all ask and see yeah if he doesn't answer, at yeah. least gauge his reaction. Yeah, we'll put the video up because we can do that, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, we, it, we, we, we record the video. Yeah, we can put the video up. So y'all can, maybe y'all don't, can be the only... Maybe don't tell Andy beforehand. <laughs> Andy, well, he, if he you're listening... He will hear this after, right? Yeah. yeah. If yeah, you're he, listening... He's not going to hear this until after the interview happens. Oh, you're right. <laughs> so Andy, you can say whatever you want about Andy Lockning right now, Mike. I think he's so nice. <laughs> I really like the guy a lot. Like, it's hard to be uh, an objective reporter on the club when he's so, like, kind and personable and, like, good at his job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Gonna... We'll see. We'll see how this interview goes. Right. We'll, yeah, we yeah, make, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're right. You're we right. may cut this out too. Yeah. You yeah. tank our credibility when you say yeah, such sure. nice yeah. things about <laughs> That's right. employees. Well, I'm, I'm glad that other dude got escorted out by security. <laughs> it was incredibly rude. Uh, you bring up uh, Austin FC too. I'm curious your feelings about the the synergy, the dynamic that we have among those players who are going to be filling in our roster on the first team, and how how you feel some of those second team players are going to you know, rise to the occasion being put on the field with the first team. I mean, who's impressed you based on what we've seen and what we've heard about the preseason stuff? Based on what Josh Wolf said in the media availability a couple of weeks ago, we shouldn't expect to see any of these guys fill in. I Except don't... maybe Jimmy. J- Jim... <laughs> my, my tattoo man. I think I mean, Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, if we're taking what Josh Wolf says, Jimmy seems like the one most likely to get a contract at this point, right? He, he was why, yeah. raving why about him after the game the other day. So um, I like, yeah, I mean, again, we talked about this on the show a couple of weeks ago. If any of these guys were domestic players, I think some of them, like Val Noel, I think is a lock for a supplemental spot if he's American. But because he's French... And it's going to take up this valuable international spot. I don't know that he has a chance. And it, it sucks. Like, it's really sad for him. But yeah. it's the reality. I would like to overcome that and still, like, I feel like Val Noel is the one player out of that group that adds enough to maybe take one of those when Austin's got at least a couple available. Um, I like what I see from him. And it's in a position of need, too. Like, he's, we need creative attacking talent. He's also just, like, he's a little bit older than a lot of the guys on that team, meaning that. He's he's got that just like that solid head on his shoulders. He's he's going to step into that game, and you you would trust a guy like him to carry himself well on the field with the first team, even if his if his like ceiling isn't as high as some of these guys. He's closer to his ceiling, and he knows where it is, and isn't going to try to play outside of himself in that situation. So I do like that about him, but I think it's going to come down to Burrell's looking counting those international spots. How many do we have left? Who are the targets we're looking for? Do I need them? Val Noel's not taking one. Yeah, because like you can sell an international roster spot for two hundred fifty thousand right. gam. Right? Yeah, like, again, even if you're not going to use them, maybe it's better to sell yeah. it. And is Val Noel worth that? So yeah. Um, All right. Hello, friends. I always wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've done a bit of math, crazy math, uh, and I think. <laughs> We've generated an ex, uh, excess gam of, let's just say, of over a million in, in gam. When I say excess, that means yeah. everyone's favorite topic, gam. Oh, wrong one. Sorry. <laughs> Landon's pushing buttons. You are sitting here, I guess you are MLS experts. <laughs> So, so when, when I say excess gam, this is uh, over what is uh, given to every team every year. Um, two questions from that. How would you like for the club to use that? And how, would you, how do you think the club is actually going to use that this year? I'll start with a caveat that as much as, like, if, if I'm going to trust anybody's numbers, it would be yours, Long. <laughs> um, but there's so many unknowns that get factored into this as far as, like, player bonuses and, uh, like, these secret things that we don't know about that take secret up. Secret gam. <laughs> <laughs> that they do count towards the budget, the salary budget, and we don't know about them and we'll never know about them. And so 
I, I think it's still fair to say that we do have a substantial amount of money that we're not using at the moment. So I, I, I wanted to cap, like put an asterisk next to it, but still agree with the premise that there is a fair amount of money to be spent. Uh, buying down Alex Ring. And then be- getting a third like big time DP. I like that use for it. I like. I like. Why would we do that? Where Where would you use it, Jeremiah? Where, where What position? I mean, either obviously a striker is a need, but either a winger or a striker. I mean, somebody who can create and make a difference. Yeah, I in the attack. Is I like think if, if we're going to wait until summer anyway, then give it some time. See what Rubio does. If Rubio can be twenty twenty two Rubio, then maybe we don't need a striker. Maybe we're good. You, you sign a supplemental guy as a striker, and then you bring Will in... Will Bruin? <laughs> Stop trying to make Will Bruin happen. I won't. <laughs> um, and then maybe you bring in that playmaking winger or something as that spot in the summer. But it's kind of nice to have that flexibility at this point, right? See what this team that you can do. We've seen Burrell's not in a hurry. He's, he's going to take his time and do it, right? He has a chance with this specific spot to do it right and see what he actually needs come summertime. I, yeah, but for me, it's a striker or a, a playmaking winger. I'm sorry. I just got such a flashback to 2021 when we didn't fill out our roster. And the reason was uh, to have the flexibility to know what we need when we get into games. And who did we sign then? The only DP that's been good. So... Yeah, so, you, so that's going to happen again. Is that what yeah, you're yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, momentary panic uh, and then relief. Classic. My fandom. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, any other audience questions? Jackson, come. <laughs> so on the last episode, aka this morning's episode, um, you guys were kind of hard on Claudio Reyna. And I was wondering, as a new manager myself, um, Maybe just Coach Wolf hasn't been coached very well. Maybe he needs a good manager. And if Burrell is filling out the roster with the right people, how much is that going to impact our season? The caveat also here, maybe other teams' as managers aren't as good at doing that. So, like, it's always a gamble every season. So maybe you could be a little more optimistic. What's, what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> I think... Are you- <laughs> Are you asking yeah. us to be more optimistic? Think, no, no. I think the question is, right, uh, if, I, if I read between the lines on the, the comment, it's like, Can should Josh we be learn? putting more stock into Roto, Roto's ability to improve Josh Wolf's coaching style uh, to get better uh, performances out of existing players? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to say. Again, we, like, we don't. We don't know what the real answer is, but if someone were to be in the position to be able to mentor Josh Wolf in this style of play, giving him access to players that fit this style of play, Burrell's the guy, right? And so I'd say I hope so. I hope that's the truth. The alternative option, and I think there's a lot of subscribers to the alternative option, is that Josh Wolf's just not very good at his job, and that's why we're bad at soccer. I don't fully buy into that part of it. Um, I, not to say that I think Josh Wolf is the best and he's there, he has nothing to do with why we're bad, but yeah, if, if anybody's going to be able to mentor him and like help him out, I think Burrell's the guy. And every comment that we've gotten from both Josh and from Burrell is that 
they're saying that's going on, right? As far as his involvement, and it seems like he seems like he's a lot more involved than than Claudio was, like in in training and being around in the at the performance center stuff like that. So, like, hopefully, so that's that's a reason for hope. Yeah, I let's do. I almost worry that it's like. Um, because there's also things there's you two say, ways, Mike, right. right? These are the things you would all you would naturally expect somebody to say. And I think there's like two ways that that can go, right? As a, as a person who has had both styles of manager, absentee and overbearing, right? Uh, somewhere in the middle is the dream, and so who knows? Uh, but two- I think it's a great point that like, if you had one, uh, changing that structure, it can be hopefully good. frees you up. Well, it certainly. We'll find out. One yeah, way yeah, like, yeah, yeah, Claudio yeah. was the problem. We know it's the problem. Let's do one more question. Yeah. Um, then we'll wrap it up. Go ahead. After our 34-0-0 regular MLS wins. Amen. Who's your Austin FC MVP at the end of the year? Mine's always Brad Stuver. I think he's so good and so underrated and still, like, he's only beginning to get the flowers that he deserves for the performances that he's put in every single match for us since he signed. Keep, keepers don't win MVP on winning teams. <laughs> he asked, well, who my MVP was. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's very different. Yeah. I mean, the smart money's on Drew, you see, right? Yeah, of course. Um, and even at this point, if someone did come in, in the summer and tear it up, I guess you could still say, like, they, they're not going to win league MVP, but you could still say they're the best player on the team, right? Like, I would have said that about Drusey, the, the half a season he played, right? So, yeah. um, I mean, he, what, doubled our goals necess- or goals per game average, right? Yeah. Just by himself? Yeah. Do you have a different answer? Yeah, I mean, if we're going to go 34-0-0, which means we're going to be there from the start, I'm going to go with Diego Rubio, who's going to, like, have to crush it from day one in order for us to go have an undefeated season. So he would be, he would be, be my other guy. When we have an undefeated season. When we have an undefeated <laughs> season as the best team in the history of the world. Yes. That's right. All right. Well, that is all we have for tonight. Thanks so much for coming out. We really appreciate it. It's, it's so great to see uh, your faces in person sometimes. We usually just are staring at each other over a Zoom call. Um, we're going to hang out just a touch longer. We do need to start cleaning up here in a second but if uh feel free to please come say hi if you would like to take a photo with tv's jeremiah bentley i would be happy to take that for you um (laughs) thank you very much Thing for nothing, you never. La gente. Oh my god.